0: You are listening to the Real Estate Proverbs Podcast with host Kevin Jefferson. This is the number one podcast for African-American real estate professionals who are doing extraordinary things. It's time to tune in. And now, your host, the People's Lender. Kevin Jefferson. Kevin Jefferson. Welcome to Real Estate Proverbs. I'm your host, Kevin Jefferson, and today we have a special guest by the name of Lisa Pleas. How are you doing, Lisa?
1: Hey, hey, hey. I'm doing fine. Doing fine.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Lisa, tell us a little bit about you.
1: Okay. So my name is Lisa Pleas. I am um, a broker, owner, uh, realtor in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I have been in the business a little over 20 years. I have been uh, listing and selling foreclosures for over 15 years. And uh, about two years ago, I started my own firm, Wholesale Realty Group, where I specialize in the sale of distressed properties. So I help people that are in a distressed situation sell their homes. So pre-foreclosures, short sales, um, delinquent taxes, vacant houses, abandoned houses, code violations, all of that. That's what I do. Probates. Wow. All of it. So.
0: So literally uh, anything that's distressed. okay. that's
1: it. That's it.
0: Yeah. So. uh, So tell us. uh, Tell us how you got into real estate.
1: So funny story. Um, And I'm probably telling my age here. So when I was younger, I used to watch on TV Carlton Sheets. So for those of um, your audience that, that are listening, if, they, if, if they're about my age or been in, the, been in the business for a while, they remember Carlton Sheets. So Carlton Sheets used to be on this infomercial and it would come on all the time. And he would have people up there talking about how they uh, bought and sold real estate and they made all this money. And as I would look at it, I'm like, wow, I would love to get in real estate and make all this money. So um, as I got older, I got my real estate license, I got in it thinking I was going to make all this money and possibly buy a property and all that. But once I did my first transaction with a buyer, it completely changed my whole outlook on what I wanted to do. Um, the money kind of got put on the back burner and, and then it just became, I just love helping people buy houses. And I've done a couple of investment properties myself, but I actually love helping um, buyers buy property and I love helping sellers sell their property. So I love the actual buying and selling of real estate and actually helping people with their real estate needs. So that's what got me started. So cotton Sheets started it all is what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: wow, blast from the past.
1: Blast right. from the past. That's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember he mm-hmm. he ran a lot of commercials. And that was yes, at, he that, did. at the time, that was the only thing that we uh saw in terms mm-hmm. of um real estate investing, you know, being marketed. So he Absolutely. Yeah, he said Absolutely. a lot. Um so, so when you started real estate and you you mentioned earlier that you uh list distressed properties, um, how did you actually get into the distress side?
1: Okay. So in my office, I used to work for Century 21, and in my office, we had a couple of REO agents. So we had some agents that would listen to sell foreclosures. And um, back in the day, and, and it may be true today as well, sometimes agents are a little guarded as to how they got into business and you know where they're getting their business from and all that. So I kind of understand that now, but back then it was kind of tight-lipped. So you really didn't know how to break into it. And if you asked, you got more like a a, a generalized answer. So, um, but I saw these agents day in and day out doing these REO properties, and one day I asked them, I asked them how did they get started, and they told me BPOs. And at the time, I had never heard of a BPO, so I asked them to school me on BPOs and and you know what is that and what does that entail, and they told me, and that's what I did, and. After I did a few of those, I realized that there are some companies that actually do, that just um, give out listings and they're just BPO mills. So I started doing my research on that. And my very first client was Altisource back in the day. So I'm sorry, it was, it was actually Aquan um, before it changed into to Altisource. So Aquan was my first client. And I literally just, I did my research. I mean, I was on the computer day and night looking for different REo companies submitting applications and at the time i didn't have any experience so some companies want to see experience and i just i just did my research i applied to every company that i saw out there and i finally got my first break with Aquin. wow yeah
0: so, so what year was this
1: gosh this was in 2005. It's about five years in, because I started real estate in 2000, so about 2005.
0: Wow. Oh, so, yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm.
1: So,
0: in 2005 was when you began to st- so began to get REO properties.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. So, when you got with, uh you said Aquan at the time, correct? Yes. Okay, when you were with Aquan at the time... Um, how many properties were you seeing in two thousand and five? At that time, that was the year before the height of the the market back then.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Aqua, So, I wasn't seeing that many from Aquin. Um, I was getting maybe one or two a month from Aquin, so not that many. Which is why I continued to to hit the payment and grow my REO business. So, I started hitting up other companies and. Uh, I did some for Green River Capital, uh, PAS, and a couple other companies. So you can't put all your eggs, eggs in one basket. You have to, once you get one client, you have to continue to try to find other companies that also need your services to be able to build your business and grow. And um, so that's what I did. I, I just, I just continue to do research. I continue to make phone calls and try to get in front of asset managers and Trying to find out who the um, the decision makers were and get past the gatekeepers and all of that to submit my proposals to them and and resumes and all of that. I mean, it was it was a lot of grunt work. It was a lot of of, of grueling grunt work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the thing that um, people don't understand uh, about the amount of work that you have to put in to get into the uh, REO uh, space. And then once you get in the REO space, uh, people don't understand how much work you have to put in on behind the scenes. Absolutely. Um, so, so Lisa, let's, um, how, and this is probably should have, the conversation started a different way, but here we okay. are, you know?
1: Okay. How,
0: so how I was a, I saw you put a post on Facebook inside of a group about a list on how to purchase HUD properties. Yes. And when I saw that you were you said HUD properties specifically, that's when I reached out to you to find out, do you list HUD properties? And when I found out that you did, I I got excited and I said, this is what (laughs) this is who I'm looking for Mm -hmm. as a former agent uh, and a former agent who listed REO properties. um, I was never able to crack the code to get into HUD. Um, I sold HUD properties, you know, on the buyer side. Um, mm-hmm. but I was never able to crack in into that, uh, into that space. Um, to, so I, I've got a lot of agents that I work with and okay. they reach out to me and ask me, how do they uh, even list REOs? Um, okay. And I send them to the sources that I had. And how did you, I, I know you said that you were with Aqua there's a lot of grunt work. Um, what was that one thing, or what allowed for you to get in with HUD? Uh, because I've never met an African American male or female who listed a <laughs> HUD property ever in my life. So I'm okay. very intrigued and interested um, on how you were able to do that.
1: Okay, so um, the former. So I do my own company now, but the former company that I was with, me and the principal broker literally got together a package. We put together a package and we submitted that to the new asset manager. So we literally waited to see who that was going to be, because if you want to break into the REO business, especially if you want to be a HUD listing agent, you have to know who the asset manager is going to be, and you have to be able to submit a package to them. And that package has to be, that package has to just really highlight your features what you're going to do for them, what your experience is. So, I mean, I put together a package that, well, actually I say we put together a package that actually um, just, it was a resume, my resume. It said everything that I've done. Cause like I said, I, at that point, I had been doing REOs for about 10 years. So all of my experience and what I could do for them and, and, you know, um, the cash for keys and all of that. And of course, at that time, I didn't know that you don't do that with HUD properties. But I just put everything in there. I've just put together a nice package and submitted it to the asset manager. And we literally sat and wait. And it was a while. You know, I'm not going to say it's easy. It's, it's not easy. We submitted a package and it took uh, it took some time for us to be contacted um, by HUD. And before I, I, before we submitted a package, I have done that in the past. I've submitted packages to um, HUD. I've submitted packages to VA. I've submitted packages to Fannie Mae, and um, never got contacted by those companies. But when we put the package together um, at that time, like I said, it was a long waiting period. But we did get contacted and we did get accepted as a local listing broker. And when I opened up my own company, I did the same thing. I submitted another package and said, you know, hey, um, I have my own company and I'm submitting another package. I would love to. Be able to, um, you know, be a HUD listing agent with my own company, and they said, "Sure, I've done I've done a really good job with managing the HUT properties. I had a really good scorecard, so at that time, I had already proven myself, so I was able to um, get in as well with my own company. But it's pretty much putting together a package, and you can reach out to once you find out who the asset manager is. You actually can reach out to the asset manager." and find out what they're looking for. Um, I've gone through two asset managers with HUD, and each asset manager is different. And we actually had to apply both times. It, you know, you don't you don't get to roll over when the asset managers change. So you have to submit a package each time. And um, that's what we did. This, you know, you, you have to make that package look really, really good. Everything that is your strengths, you have to highlight that in the best light. You have to show them why you are the agent that should be looking after their properties because you are their eyes and ears. They're not here. They're sitting in the corporate office somewhere. You know, you are their eyes and ears. So you have to convey that message to them as to how you are best suited for the job because you have tons of agents that are also submitting applications. So you have to make yourself stand out. You have to submit a a superior package to make all of your highlights stand out so that they we will we'll call you. At the end of the day, you're looking for that phone call, or in, in this case, an email that says, you know, hey, um, you know, you have been selected. And it's, it's a really great feeling to be selected and be able to be a HUD Listen agent. And I have loved every minute of it. A lot of people get in and say, what have I gotten myself into? But I actually, I actually love it. I really, really do. I love it. And like you said earlier, Kevin, it is a lot of work. It's a lot, it's a lot of work. A lot of people don't see that part of it. They want to become an REO agent or they want to become a HUD listing agent specifically, but it is a lot of hard work behind the scenes. A lot of things that you have to do in visiting the property and reports and things of that nature. So you do earn your money. So you really have to make sure that this is definitely what you want and stay on top of all of your tasks and things of that nature. So um if it's something that you want, just to kind of uh, wrap your question up, submit it sub- submit a superior package. you know, submit a superior package to make sure that they know who you are and what you can do for them and how he, you can be um, an asset to them.
0: So when you said that it is uh, a lot of hard work um take me through uh, the process once you've received the listing.
1: okay. so once I receive a listing, actually I'm going to kind of Uh, Um, go back a little bit, actually, um, so before you receive the listing, you're actually in pre-list phase. So they call it an assignment. So first you receive an assignment and once you receive the assignment, you have to go and visit the property and make sure it's vacant and all that because it's a HUD property. Well, if it's a HUD property. The home properties are typically typically vacant. Typically, the field service manager has already gone over there. They've already secured the property, things of that nature. Sometimes they have not. Sometimes I've gotten over there and I've beaten the field service manager, and they have not gotten over there and and has not been trashed out and all that. So you go over there, you have to make sure that the property is, um, is vacant, that it's trashed out. You want to go through and assess any damages that you see. You have to submit a report that says, um, you know, this is what you've seen and and this is about how much you think the property should be listed at. Um, once you do that, there's also other tasks that you have to do. And um, this particular asset manager actually requires um, like a prelim title uh, binder, for lack of better words. But you have title stuff you have to do. You have... Um, What else? BPOs you have to do. You have, um, there's a lot of reports that you have to, that you have to submit in the pre-list phase. And then you have to wait for them to do what they do on the back end to, to get it ready. And then once they do that, then they give you the listing. And then once you get the listing, then you're going over there um, every week to, you know, make sure that the property Is um hasn't been vandalized that no one has you know broken into the property, there aren't any squatters in the property. Um, that's another thing because these properties are vacant. Um, if you're looking to get into this business, you have to be someone who doesn't mind going into vacant houses. I've had um a lot of people reach out to me and say, Well, Lisa, you know, do you need an assistant? And I could do this and I could do that. And then you know, when they find out I had to go into vacant houses, they're like, I wouldn't want to go in that house you know and, I, and I, that house has been sitting vacant so you have to be willing to do stuff like that because these houses are vacant you don't know if there's squatters inside the house and things of that nature so you have to be looking out for that and um so like i said pretty much you know you, you you do these reports and and you go check on the properties and you make sure that the the property stays safe sound and secure um you're still submitting reports to them because they want to know what's going on with the properties you're keeping track as to the the, the traffic that's going on inside the property to ultimately get it sold. And sometimes you're doing update reports, you know, ever so often to, um, to let them know, you know, why it hasn't sold and why you think it hasn't sold is overpriced or something wrong with it. So there's a lot of reports that have to be done and submitted and updated and, um, and they're all time sensitive, you know, so you have to be a person who is available to be able to, submit these reports in a timely manner
0: um, to HUD. So you mentioned uh, the, I guess, acronym BPO uh, a few times. What's the BPO?
1: So a BPO is a broker price opinion. And even though the word broker is in there, um, there's, some, there's some states that are broker states, but a lot of states are, are um, you don't have to be a broker. You're just a regular agent. So typically uh, BPO is an, um, an opinion of value. That's given by a real estate agent. So, of course, we know an appraisal is uh, an opinion of value given by an appraiser who's who's licensed to do that. But a BPO is a similar version of that, but it's done by a real estate agent, and and we get paid much much less than an appraiser, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, so, you know we don't make appraiser type of money doing a BBO, um, but but it is something similar to an appraiser where you get to um, give your opinion of value for that home. So you. whenever you're doing a, whenever you're working with a with an REO company, um, whether you're working for a government entity like HUD or you're looking to do um, traditional REOs, they would typically get you as an agent to do a broker's price opinion. Because they want to know what do you think the house could sell for, what do you think the house is worth? So that is their form and their report that you fill out that says, "Hey, this is what I think is worth. This is what I think it could sell for," and that's that's what you would submit.
0: Gotcha. So when you so once you uh, you've done the BPO, and I'm assuming that's a part of the uh, pre-listing package that you have to send in.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Got gotcha. you.
0: Gotcha. So when you, uh, send in the pre-listing package, um, I remember when I listed, it, it depended on the um, the asset management company. Some would put the utilities in their name and some would have you put it in the broker's name. And then some would have you put it in your name. Um, with HUD, how does that work?
1: So with HUD, HUD doesn't have any utilities on. So luckily for me, I don't have to worry about putting utilities in my name. Some of my other companies, I do have to do that because um, I do have other REos that I list to sell as well. but with HUD, the utilities are not on. so I don't have to worry about putting the utilities in my name. So they um so the way that it works is that the buyer who is awarded the HUD contract, they are the ones who has to actually get the utilities cut on in their name once they get permission from the field service manager to be able to get the utilities cut on. So, Once the offer has been accepted, the selling agent has to get permission from the field service manager that says, yes, it's okay to get the utilities cut on. And that step is in process because the field service manager knows if the pipes have been stolen underneath the house, for instance. You know, as an agent, we don't go on crawl spaces. We don't know if the pipes are under the house or not. So the field service manager will be the one to say, hey, you can get the water and electricity and the gas cut on, or no, you can't because there is a safety issue. So, once you get the permission from the field service manager to get the utilities cut on, then the buyer, in turn, calls the utility companies to then get the utilities set up to be able to get the utilities on to be able to do home inspection It's typically what that's for. The home inspection and the appraiser who's going to need to have the utilities on, too, typically, for the buyer's loan. So, I don't have to worry about getting utilities cut on in my name and company name and all that. The buyer will take care of that once they're business selected so that works out pretty good for me because the other companies where you have to do that you have to keep track of the billing and submitting bills and trying to get reimbursed and all that because not only do you get it put in your name but you pay the bills too so right. you have to <laughs> reimburse for that so um but hud is actually pretty good that i don't have to do that so that, that works out perfectly.
0: So with uh, what was the most uh, uh, most listings you've had, REO listings you've had um, at one time, if you can remember?
1: At one time, gosh, <clears throat> I say about 15, about 15. Um, one time um, with the old asset manager, if you did a really, really good job, you were almost guaranteed to carry about a good 10 to 15. And um, and I did.
0: Wow. So yeah. on that's a lot of work. I mean, I remember it is, having... It is,
1: not, now, now to be to, now I will say to be fair, when I first started out, when we first got our um our HUD contract, we actually had a team. So as a team, because we knew that it was coming. Um when we first got our um got the HUD contract, we knew that the lists were coming. They actually had told us, um, and actually they told us we would get about so I said 15, they actually said we would get about 25. But what they did is it kind of by the time we got maybe um, five, they started going under contract and then we would get like another, uh, five or 10. So at one time I say we cared about a good 15, but they were coming fast and furious. So I did have a team. We had two other people, um, that actually kind of helped out. And then it kind of went down to two people, uh, and another person actually handled it because it is a lot of volume. One person cannot handle that much volume. You have to have a partner, that's going to be able to help you out. Either someone who is going to be the one that goes out into the field to do the assessments and all that. Someone maybe handle the paperwork or someone um, that actually e- or someone can actually um, submit the paperwork or you have to, have to have some type of order, some type of team together to be able to do that. Cause you just, you just cannot do that by yourself. Not that type of volume anyway.
0: Right. Do no. you currently have an assistant to help you now?
1: I do not. I started my, I, I was, I literally just said today, Kevin, I said, I have got to get me an assistant. I wasn't sure exactly how much volume I would do with this new company and how quickly. Um, but it's, it's been phenomenal. Um, and I actually, so it, I didn't kind of say that we said before, but I actually, I'm actually I actually have a, a dual broker's license. So I have two broker licenses. So up until last July, I actually worked for two different companies. So for me, I didn't really start fully focusing on my company until July of last year. So, um, but I'm at the point now where I need an assistant like ASAP. I was just talking about that today. So uh, and, and we'll have someone bring it on, you know, brought on to the team. Absolutely.
0: Got you. Got you. So, a, a lot of agents uh, want to get into that space. And we talked about, and based from your conversation, our conversation previously, that uh, it's a lot of work to get into. Um, so being an REO listing seems glamorous and uh, glitzy because you may, you know, it's foreclosures, you know, someone's going to buy it. Um, tell me or tell the audience, let's, let's tell the audience um, a couple of things that you would do to prepare once you are able to break that Area. Because getting in the good old boy network is one thing. Um, staying there is another because they score everything you do.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that is actually a great question. So once you get so once you prepare this beautiful package that tells them everything that you're going to do for them and you make it look really beautiful and you highlight all your features and, and all that good stuff. And let's say you become um, a head listing agent or or any other REO company and I say you get in. You have, you have. I cannot stress the importance of turning in your tasks on time. They have to be on time, they have to be on point, and um, they have to be completed. Um, And and, and I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but um, back when I did BPOs, I also used to be on a panel where sometimes some companies would actually send me BPOs to review. So I would be like on this review panel where, where they would send me BPOs that other agents did for me to to, to look at them. And some of them I would look at and, and shake my head and say, I, I know for a fact nobody turned this in looking like this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I say that to say um, it has to be complete. You know, whatever, you know, whatever's on the report, make sure everything is filled in. Don't leave blanks. You know, make sure that you have someone that's good at doing paperwork. It's a lot of paperwork. So, if you're a person and you know, because if you're in real estate, you know that our life is about paperwork, right? Right. So, and you know whether you're good at paperwork or not. You know, right. you know it's, it's, it's no secret. If you're an agent, it's no secret whether paperwork is your strong suit or not. Okay. <laughs> so, um, if you're not good at paperwork, it may be a good idea to have an assistant right on the onset, you know, don't, don't wait until you get overwhelmed and you have a low score to bring somebody on. So make sure that your, your paperwork is on point, that everything is, is filled out correctly. And that you're turning it in on time because everything is timed. Uh, There's a, there's a time task for everything. And the the clock, when you log in, there's an actual clock that's that's counting down that tells you how long you have. So you have to submit that paperwork on time so that you get a really good score because they do score, and you have to make sure that you you keep a good score. So, like you said, that's why I said it's a great question because once you break in and you've done all this hard work to to break through the barriers, and now you're a, a REO agent, you have to make sure that you are um, you know being the best of the best so that you can continue to to get listings. That's just that's just how it is. You have, you have to be. On point.
0: I'm smiling because I remember getting the nasty grams uh, about Uh-oh. my task uh, or not having uh, the assignment on time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, everything they they scored you on everything. Um, yeah. I remember going out, having to take what seems like 50 to 60 pictures. Absolutely. Um, picture, you know, it's a it's a lot of work. It's a tedious job. And you're right. Um, in hindsight, when I think think of it, um, I probably couldn't have did more than five by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a team um, and you need a system. I, need was,
1: a, I, was, I was just about to say that, Kevin, you need a system as well. A yeah. team and a system. And that's how I was able to k- kind of get through it. Because once I because um, I had, like I said, I had a partner, but then that partner wanted branching off to another opportunity. And it was just me. And I handled, um, I say the most I handled by myself was about 10 at one time. And it was a lot of work. I mean, it's it's day and night. And I used to always joke and say, I have no life because <laughs> that was my life. <laughs> well, all my friends are going out and going out to dinner and movies and, and, and having a good time and entertainment and, and, and all of that. You know, I was I was working. So um, it was a lot of work. But I um, I I got through because I had a system.
0: Right. I remember I remember having my wife uh, where I would go out and take the pictures. I would send her over to an email. I send her a list of the comparables and I would have her input the information while Mm -hmm. I did other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That was for BPOs and Mm -hmm. that was for um, REOs as well. That was Um, your system yeah that was my system right there um the the good part is that you know that they're going to sell you have a seller that wants to sell and i think that is the attractive to me that was the attractive part of uh listing reos you know alongside of the work the other thing that i don't think agents understand and you can correct me if i'm wrong but when i was an reo agent um, my compensation was less than the buyer's agent, mm-hmm.
1: so it may be like that now with some companies. Um, so HUD, their um, their compensation is the same as as the as the selling agent. So listing agent and selling agent gets paid the same um, here in my market area. Is six percent total, so three percent to the listing agent, three percent to the selling agent. But that is a very good point because at one point I got out of the REO business. For that very reason, Um, my market wound up becoming saturated with a lot of agents who wanted to break into the REO business because it was right when um, the bubble had burst and people were doing a lot of short sales and REOs. And even though I had gotten in it before then, a lot of agents saw REOs as the way to go. So now they were trying to break in and because it was so um, the asset managers were inundated with a lot of agents who wanted to break into the business. They started reducing the commission. So um, one of the companies I was working for, I had gotten an assignment and they had reduced the commission to two percent. So I called them up <laughs> to make sure it wasn't a typo. And they said, no, it's uh it's two percent. So I'm like, okay, well, I can swallow. I can I can swallow two percent, you know. So um that was that. And then another company sent an assignment and it was one percent. I'm like, okay, this is uh, getting a little ridiculous. And then another company had sent me over um, an assignment. Actually, they sent me an actual, um, it wasn't just assignment, it was actual listing. And they would just give me a flat fee. And I think they were wanting to give 1250 or something. And at that point, it was less than 1%. And I'm like, look, guys, you guys are like going in the wrong direction here. I mean, and these were companies where I did have to put the utilities in my name. And I did have to uh, bill them and, and get reimbursed and all of that good stuff. So it's a lot of work so it's a lot of work to um to keep having your commission reduced so at that time i said well hey if if all these agents are trying to get into the business and you guys can get away with paying you know less than one percent you know bless you but um i i just can't do it for that for that price and i wound up getting out of it for a little bit yeah wow.
0: Yeah, I remember, um, I remember some of the, now some of the easiest REOs I had was when Uh I was the listing agent on the REL and they put it up for auction right away. Okay. That was some of the easiest ones. We, I did one with auctions.com and I did one with Williams and Williams and actually on the one with Williams and Williams, I ended up getting uh, both sides. Uh, okay, nice. Yep, because the the buyer came to the auction. Uh, he was the only person there, wasn't represented by an agent, okay. and he won the bid. Um, and then I remember um, I actually had got both sides on another. However, I got the full buyer side, but I got the flat fee for the listing broker side. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an auction. And people don't understand, I had to hang up auction signs. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had to hang Absolutely. up auction signs. I had to do open houses for the auction. Um, mm-hmm. If someone, you know, wanted to come and take a look, I had to be there. And um, like, those, that? yep, in those particular cases, like they were beat up house. Some of them were beat up houses, and I had to prove to the auction company that the utilities couldn't be on. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the REO company that the utilities couldn't get cut on because the pipes mm-hmm. were
1: gone. Um, Absolutely.
0: So it was it was a it was a tedious process. Um, But so so the thing of it is there are not a lot of people who are in the REO space to my knowledge. And I don't know everything to my knowledge that look like you and I. Um, And what I hope to get out, hope for people to get out of this podcast is that. You can be an REO agent, um, but it's going to take a lot of work. I Absolutely. think it takes more work to become an REO agent than to be a listing agent on property sold by regular sellers Absolutely. because there's you, you're vetted. You have to do a ton of tasks for them sometimes. Sometimes they just want you to do field inspections. Is mm-hmm. 123 Main Street okay? Take pictures and send That's them back. It. Sometimes yep. they want you to do the BPOs. Um, So they test you to, to me, I felt like they was testing me to see my loyalty and what I'm willing to do and my work ethic um, before they, they got me. Um,
1: They will test you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They definitely will test. Test
1: your patience.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they'll test your patience. And um, so I, I remember... Uh, I felt like I had to do a report. There was a, there was a couple different reports, and you can refresh my memory. There was one report where um, you just reported to them the, the what the property looked like at the time, like the status of the property, and then it was a certain time in the month, maybe once or twice a month, mm-hmm. where you had to do another BPO on that okay. particular property to see if you uh, need to do a price reduction.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, you're you're, you're spot on. Um, so, what some of you have to do um, routine inspections. They use they typically call them routine inspections or routine checkups on the home. And um, I've been with some companies where it's once a week. I've been with some companies where it's once every other week. And you have to go over there to make sure that their asset is being protected. That you know no one is broken in and and all that good stuff. So, absolutely, you have to do. I have to do all of that. Go over there and make sure everything looks looks good. You're absolutely right.
0: That's good. So Lisa, sure do. so yes. I'm not sure if you're willing to share, but I'm gonna ask. Uh oh. Um <laughs> <laughs> where who are a few companies that you know of? that someone looking to break into the REO space could potentially reach out to and get their profile to. Like now, you know, when I started and when you started, I don't think Google was prevalent and you could uh, Google it now. But Mm -hmm. you know, they the REO companies have gatekeepers as well. Absolutely. Um, You know, if you could tell us maybe one or two companies that someone could reach out to or platforms they could get on. Uh, to, to see, get their name seen and their name thrown in the hat to become an REO agent.
1: Okay, so the only platform that I know of right now, um, and I literally just heard this just the other day, but I've been so swamped. I haven't had a chance to to check it out. But if they go to uh, Pyramid, I heard that Pyramid is looking for agents right now. Um, I'm not sure exactly what their platform is, what it's all about, but I know that they do REOs. And um and it was mentioned to me, but I just have not had the, the time to be able to go on that platform. So if there's anybody to listen to your podcast right now, try pyramid, it's a platform. And again, I'm not sure what type of REOs that they hand out, but I heard that they are looking for for REO agents. So I plan on uh, applying myself to the Pyramid platform. But the two companies that I work for mainly, um, I do some for MGIC. They're closed out. Like you can't even, I, I've been with them for gosh, probably 12 years. Um, and they're, it's, 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 it's really, really hard to, um, to, to get in with them. They, they have pretty much um, uh, shut everything down. And then HUD, of course, they shut everything down when you once the asset manager is revealed and there's so many applications, they actually have a um, a bidding period where you submit your package. And once that, that period is over, that's it. You can't get into HUD either. So the two main ones that I work for, they're pretty much shut down right now. But like I said, I heard that the pyramid platform, they are looking for agents. So I would try that platform. If you listen to this podcast um, and I know you say Google really isn't as prevalent, but if you do a lot of research, if you research it, it, Google is amazing if you know what to put in it, because you're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. So if you just Google, you know, like, you know, REO properties or REO agent, you might not get that much, but you're, you're really looking for asset managers. So make sure that you're Googling asset managers. And then you want to Google asset managers that have listings in your backyard. So if you just keep on, um, you know, Googling, because it was the same thing when I did it, when I did it, it didn't just pop up for me. I mean, I I spent, I spent, I I can't even tell you how many hours I put into it. I mean, day and night, I mean, two o'clock in the morning, I'm still up Googling and putting in applications. I mean, it was, it was unreal. I mean, I did this for a very, very long time. And just submitting applications to every single solitary asset manager that I could could get my hands on. I have I probably have an application at some point or had an application at some point with probably most of the asset management companies. And like you said, it's very very hard to um, to break into it. So, but I did. I, I just kept submitting applications, and you just have to keep googling. You have to keep finding them. You have to ask. Some people, um, I know in my business, like you said, you thought I wouldn't, wouldn't answer that question. A lot of REO agents don't really want to answer the question because you are helping your, your competition. So I would say that try to find someone. I mean, if, if you keep asking enough REO agents, somebody's going to tell you something. So, you know, um, you can find out that way. The Another way you can find out is... I know um, I used to look in the in the MLS. Some of the MLS, it tells you the name of that. You pull up REO properties, it tells you the name of the company. So if you're looking at the listing in your area and it's an REO listing and let's say it says, you know, XYZ company, you know that XYZ company has REO listings in your area. And if you keep seeing XYZ company come up, you know that they have listings in your area. So, you know, why not you contact XYZ company and say, hey, you know, um, I would love to be able to submit a package to your proposal to you to be able to um be an REO agent. What do I need to do? So that's another good way. Look in your local MLS, see, you know, um, I think a lot of major areas has um a major REO agent. Look and see, you know, what you know, what companies are they working for, what 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 REO listings are being listed, who's the owner of those um of those listings, who's the asset manager for those listings. So it can be done. It's just a lot of research and and you just have to be willing to put in the work um, for, you know, just don't, you know, um, go and ask. Also be able to be willing to put in the work to go in and Google and, do your research and, and put those packages in and, and, and sell yourself. You have to have to sell yourself to these people.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, when I uh, when I was uh, doing it, the company that was the hottest company out at the time besides HUD was Premier Assets, which was Wells Fargo's. Mm-hmm. Asset Management Company, right? Yep,
1: absolutely, yep. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. They were
0: never, I don't think they were ever taking applications. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I wonder, I'm not even sure if they are now. I don't know. But, you know, I, they, Premier Assets, and yep. it was, like, another one. Um, Premier Assets was one. HUD was hard to get into. Um, and I think, like, Freddie Mac had a division at one time, and they were hard to get into as well. It's, it's, it's,
1: so is Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae's Fannie hard May, to get into yep. well. yeah.
0: Fannie Mae, Mae was hard to get yeah. into as well.
1: Um are. They, they, they really, really are, Kevin. They're, they're really, they are really, and, and I'm not here to, you know, to sugarcoat it. It, it's, it, it really is hard to get into. But... I just want your audience to know that it is possible. You know, it is possible. You just have to, you have to have the tenacity and you just have to stay on it to be able to, to break into it and, and be able to, um, to, um, to just break into that, to, to that business, to the audio business. So no. just, you know, submit, submit your packages, stay up. You know, once you be able, once you're able to Google these companies and you find them, usually somewhere on their website, it'll, it'll have somewhere where you can uh, you can sign up. And some of them, it's funny, because you probably know this, Kevin, some of them, it's hidden. Like you have to search around that website and click here and click there before you actually even find where you're supposed to submit the application. It's almost like they don't want you to see, see it, yeah. <laughs> that, that you can submit an application. So some of them you have to actually click the login button. And then when you click the login button, it'll say, you know, um, username, password, you know, create application or create an account, something like that. But again, if you're just looking at that login button, you're saying, well, you know what? I can't log in. I don't have a, I don't have access to this site. And you don't click that login button, you'll look around that site and think it's not there you know, maybe I can't apply. So sometimes it's hit. So that's why I say, you know, if you guys are listening and and you want to break into the REO business, make sure you're just doing this thorough research. Make sure you're clicking all around these sites, make phone calls. They typically have numbers. They are going to have gatekeepers. It is their job. I'm sure they get calls all day from agents wanting to be an REO agent. So see if you can Sweet talk the gatekeeper to at least get the asset manager's email address. Um, sometimes they're more apt to give out an email address and a phone number, or to transfer you to them. And again, put your best foot forward. That's that's just what it's all about. So navigate all around that site and if I find that secret patches way. <laughs> Sometimes it seems like it's a secret passageway just to get an application in, <laughs> but it can be done. <laughs> I
0: feel like I remember finding the way to apply in the About Us section all the it way could've. at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> like you all the way at the bottom. You go to the About Us section and then it That's gives you a breakdown of the company and then you like how to apply with. So you wouldn't normally see it That's on it. that front page. You go to About That's Us it. and it's in there. And if you don't look, you're not going to see it. Like That's you've got to you've got to search. I remember applying for Oreo companies consistently, BPO companies consistently. Um, and I also, I, I, the platform that I got on that helped me get more exposure was uh Equator. Okay. Was Equator? Is Equator still around?
1: Yeah, Equator is still around. There's another one. Um, Res- Re-
0: Resnet. Net. Yep, I was Res- on
1: Resnet. Res- Resnet is another platform. So these platforms that Kevin and I are talking about are it's like a backdoor way to get in. So you're not actually reaching out to the asset managers. You're actually going into a platform that asset managers go on to, to be able to choose an agent whenever they have an assignment. So they have an assignment, they'll go to the portal, they'll look for an agent that's within proximity to the assignment, and then they'll reach out to the agent that they feel is most most certified to handle that asset for them. So ResNet's one of them. Like you said, Equator's still around. Equator's one of them. Um and that that's the two major platforms but really, I can't think of another platform that they use and I'm, and I'm sure there are there, there, there's
0: there's, there's a more ton of more
1: probably but ResNet and, and uh, equator is only one I can think of right now.
0: So the one the first platform I ever got on and I just looked it up just to be sure is reonetwork.com reonetwork.com is where you have the ability to get a login build a profile and let them know what areas you're willing to serve. Mm-hmm. Now, with REO Network, that's where I got my first REO. At the time, um, it was for a like bank, like a small bank who just went on there and happened to find me because they had financed the property where I was at. And of course, they didn't really have a presence. So they, they for- had foreclosed on it and they brought it back and they were looking for an agent. And sometimes the way to start is doing one, one or two here for different companies. And mm-hmm. then that helps you build your resume. So I was able to add those as references on my Aureo Network profile. And then as time began to go, I mean, began to go by, I had more and more experience and I could have refer them to uh, the different companies that I dealt with. Um, so Aureo Network, I actually, before the, uh, when we talked the other day, I was uh-huh. in the middle of looking it up to see if my profile was still there, but I never logged in, so that's why I looked down. I I, I uh, typed in arionetwork.com to oh, make sure funny. that it was still there. Um, so, yeah, Lisa, I, I've,
1: I've been I've been a member I've been a I've been with Ario Network for probably fifteen years. It was one of the first ones that because um, because back in the day. Net, like if you Google like they were like one of the first ones to come up. So um, I started an account with them like years ago. I don't, I don't think I ever got anything from REO Network.
0: Yeah, I got a um, lot of I got a yeah. lot of one offs from like, uh-huh. um, you know, like they weren't necessarily assets. They were just banks who had, uh-huh. you know, had assets in different parts of town, because at that time, I, the mortgage industry was a little different so people were doing loans in different states and they didn't really have to necessarily be licensed so um it was a little different uh, have you you know have you ever attended any of the uh REO conferences
1: oh absolutely um i've done the um the five star conference i've done um uh, what was the REO Mac? I think some, some years ago. Yeah, so Mac, I've, done, yeah. I've, done, I've, done, I've done a few of them. Yep, well, that's, few of them.
0: that's awesome.
1: So they have like breakout sessions and you get a chance to, um, get in front of asset managers and, and, and things of that nature. Um, so I actually have gone to, to several of the, the REO conventions as they call them. So it is a great way to get in front of asset managers, but again, I tell you, you know, if you don't stand out, because there are a ton, there's tens of thousands of agents <laughs> at those uh, conventions, so you have to do something to stand out with those companies to be able to um, to break in. And and I never forget the last one that I went to, I just knew that I made a connection with the guy that was uh, um, giving out the listings to uh, for BA. So um, so I said, yeah, I'm going to give you a call, and you know, I got his personal card and all that. And i declare by the time i got around to calling him um someone else he had gotten a promotion he was no longer in that pos- uh, position someone else was in i said oh man <laughs> 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 but, but i said it to say that you you know when you're going to these conventions you have to have an agenda don't don't just go there because my first time going there i mean i'm just going there kind of just you know, walking around, you're you're, you're you're so in awe because there's so many agents and you're, you're networking and, and you're connecting with everyone. But just make sure that you have a plan and a purpose when you're going there. And That's to get in front of these, these asset managers and find out exactly what do you need to do to break into this business and what do you need to do to get listings from their company. Just be very direct. Like, hey... I'm here to, you know, to build a relationship with you, meet you, find out about your company, and find out what can I do to um, to become one of your your Ario listing agents and go there with a plan and a purpose and um, and hopefully and follow up. I, I I can't say how important that is to follow up. They're going to meet a million agents at those conventions, so make sure that you're following up and you continue to call and, and call and call and and that was you know to be honest was one of my. Um, so learn from my mistakes is what I'm saying, (laughs) because I went and you spend some money when you go because the tickets aren't cheap and, and, and they they have never been in my area. So (laughs) you have to fly or drive and, um, it is, it's, it's, it's pricey to to go to these conventions. So if you're going to go spend the time and make sure that you're following up with these asset managers that you get in front of, because if you don't, then, you know, they'll forget about you if you did make a connection. And, you know, there goes there goes that. Or in my case, you know, you're calling the person who you made a connection with is no longer there. <laughs> so just make sure that you guys have have a plan and a purpose when you're going there. That's to make a connection, build to be poor and do your follow up. Just like you do, with, do it with any client. You know, in our business, they say what? Ten to twelve touches is what it takes to, to turn a, a customer into a client. It's probably about the same for these asset managers, too. Probably about 10 (laughs) to 12 (laughs) (laughs) touches. You have to make sure that they know who you are. So just continue to follow up. Not be too pushy, but, you know, shoot over an email. Just say, hey, nice to meet you at the conference. You know, follow up with the phone call as well. Did you get my email? So just follow up. Just follow up. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So, Lisa, what can we expect from um, Wholesale Realty Group in the coming months and coming years? Where we look to be at, uh, how are we looking to grow
1: (gasps) Let me tell you. Um, so I'm doing absolutely amazing. Um, I usually don't share um, uh, figures and I think I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of humble about it, but I want to give the audience um, just an idea of how amazing um, being in, well, in my case, you know, be, I'm, I'm a broker by myself, but in this business, and mine is not just um, REO business, but I mainly do distressed properties, but you know, if I continue on this trajectory, you know, I'll hit um, six figures within this quarter. So I think that that's uh, a a really, um, it's a nice milestone for me because like I said, when I started out on my own, I didn't know how it was gonna go because it's one thing when you're an agent and it's one thing when you're a broker owner. Broker owner, you have so many other responsibilities. It's not just now you're listening and selling, is taking care of everything. I have a whole brick and mortar that I have to pay rent on. <laughs> I have utilities at my brick and mortar. You know, I have to maintain it. You know, so I have you know broker reports that I have to do. I have to worry about our MLS system. I mean, our yeah, MLS on um, board and all that because now I'm a broker. So I have broker responsibilities, but I'm still an agent because I still list to sell. That, that's that's my, my bread and butter but um but my trajectory is really really good i have some um some really um i have a lot of um things that i'm i'm doing i'm gonna start i'm also a certified Mosley instructor real estate instructor so i'm gonna start doing classes for mosley um and that's what i love i love to teach so i'll be doing that and have a couple other little projects coming up so you're gonna hear a lot about wholesale realty group. So um I think it's gonna be, be amazing. So so far I'm off to a great start for the year and um everything's just working out amazing. I'm I'm super, super excited about 2021 and what it's gonna bring. I had an amazing 2020 uh despite everything that happened in 2020 with the pandemic, but like I tell people, it's all in how you spend it. It's all in how you look at it. It's all about your perception and your attitude. If you think it was such a horrible year and 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 you just want to talk about it and think about all the negative things, then it will absolutely be a horrible year for you. But if you kind of look at all the good things that came out of it, if you look at um, you know the real estate market in general, the real estate market last year skyrocketed. I mean, it it took off. I mean, I I thought to be honest, I I thought we were doomed. I I mean, when I heard, you know, because I think everybody remembers where they were when they heard the word pandemic. I was in my living room, and I remember I was at my at my um I had like this um desk area um in my living room, and I have it facing the TV where I can kind of work on the computer, look at the TV at the same time. And I remember someone coming on the TV and saying, we are now in a pandemic. And I'm like, a pandemic? And then then lady said, yeah, so not like an epidemic. We're in a pandemic. And I was like, what? So I remember pausing for a moment and I'm thinking with everything that's going on and once they're explaining about what was happening, I'm thinking nobody is going to want to buy a house. Nobody is going to want to sell a house. Who is going to want people walking through their home because people are scared. You know, at that time we didn't know much about covid we didn't know you know exactly how you got it we didn't know exactly what you needed to do and all that and that was before the mask and all that so we really didn't know and i thought you know real estate wasn't going to do all that well but it did just the opposite it 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 just skyrocketed and um so again like i said it's your perception as to how um how you want to you know perceive how 2020 was and it's going to be your perception that's going to have that's going to perceive how your 2021 is going to be and my perception is that I'm going to have a great 2021. I'm going to have a great first quarter in my uh, month of January. Um, I've done really well. I already have uh, I have two sales already in three listings. And it's what, not even 15 days into January.
0: Right, months, not so, even half over. Yeah, not even,
1: <laughs> not even halfway over. So I'm super, super excited. So um, like I said, I think it's, it's going to be um, an amazing year, amazing quarter, amazing month so far. I'm super excited about it. So uh, whole Realty Group has a lot going on and um, I'm super excited just to see what, what this year is going to bring.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, well, Lisa, I definitely appreciate your time. Um, this was very informative to me and I'm, I'm sure the listeners will get something out of this episode. If awesome. someone wants to reach out to you in terms of social media, where can they find you at?
1: So um, I have a Facebook um, uh, business page, Wholesale Realty Group. But if they want to reach out to me, it's best to reach out to me under my my personal, which is Lisa Ples. I'm on Facebook under Lisa Ples, and its first name is Lisa, L I S A. Last name Ples, like short for Pleasant, and it's P L E A S. So like, please without without the last e. So yep. So look me up on um, on Facebook. Shoot me over a message on Messenger. You know, um, I love helping people. So if you listen to the podcast and, you know, you need some help, some encouragement or, you know, whatever this hit hit me up. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Lisa, I appreciate your time. I know you said you had to go negotiate a contract with your sellers. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I appreciate your time and I look forward to hearing from
1: you. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening and be sure to follow Kevin on Instagram at The People's Lender. We'll see you here next time on Real Estate Proverbs with Kevin Jefferson.